Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Ryan's Reviews. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> I, I just had to do it one time. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Rachel's Reviews. And uh, don't adjust your listening device. Uh, my name is Ryan Cam. I am the co-host of the Hidden Gems podcast. But Rachel is graciously allowing me to host this episode because Yay. today... I have given her five recommendations from the streaming service Canopy. It's a very underrated service. We're going to get into all of that, and we're going to be talking about my recommendations to her and whether she loved them, hated them, thought they were just okay, or maybe something else in between. Uh, I talk about movies online, certainly not certified by Rotten Tomatoes uh, critic. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Cam, and Rachel's here. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> Yes, this is so exciting. I, this is the uh, the uh, the revenge for making you watch all those Hallmark movies. <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty enjoyable to watch all those Hallmark movies. So yeah, it's like revenge is a revenge is a dish best served cold. So this is like a banana. Split. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this was fun as well. Uh, yeah, well, we should, before we dive into Canopy, we should give you a chance to share exciting news of your channel had this last week. With... I hit 100 subscribers. Was... I am a YouTube hundred air. If oh you my gosh, it's that. so exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, it's just this, the, the channel was just, it was something that I started kind of on a lark because I was like, okay, you know, this would be fun to do every now and again, but you know, with everything going on in the world with the virus and everything just, I just really had nothing much to do other than to make YouTube videos. And so I just decided for however long this is going to happen, I was just going to apply all my energy towards the channel. And and I think, largely speaking, it's turned out very well for me. Uh, this is just the beginning, though. It, like, this rocket ship is just going to go higher and higher. Like, That's right. <laughs> so, so I just want to say, I, I don't want to take up too much time because this is our podcast, not my podcast. But I just want to say thank you to everyone from the Hidden Gems universe who has subscribed to me. Uh, I'll, I promise that I will make it worth it. And I just hope you're along for this ride with me. Yeah. Let's get him to a thousand uh, before you know it. Uh, Cause oh, I, I think it's, it's uh it's good content there. I think y'all should subscribe. Uh, a, man, and... uh, a man could dream. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, yeah. So canopy, uh, why don't you explain to people a little bit about what canopy is? It's a little bit uh, different than other services that we have talked about. Sure. So Canopy is a service based out of Australia, believe it or not. Uh, it was started around 2008. And the whole premise of Canopy is that it is meant for, it's meant to, it's meant to be a streaming platform for like, I, I don't want to say artsy stuff, because I think that's degrading, but it's like, for art house movies and for documentaries and just, and a lot of smaller movies that you wouldn't find on Netflix or Amazon or anything that any other service, at least not without a good deal worth of looking. Uh, just off the top of my head, when I was looking through it for this, for this podcast, uh, you, you can find, you know, you can find old silent movies like The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, one of the first one of the first horror movies ever made. Uh, you can find Nosferatu, one of my favorites. Uh, you can find 
old Chaplin movies and Marx Brothers movies and Buster Keaton movies. Uh, you can find like stuff from famous directors that maybe uh, maybe don't get celebrated as much, like Akira Kurosawa's work, like on Rashomon, or Orson Welles is on there as well. And you can find some modern stuff that gets a lot of awards buzz that maybe people don't get to notice as much, you know, movies like anything from A24. I think A24's entire catalog is on Canopy. Uh, mm -hmm. They just added The Lighthouse in Midsummer, so everything should be on there. But you got movies like like Leave No Trace, and uh, that was from 2018. That was a movie I heard nothing but great things about. Yeah, but never saw. one of my favorites. And uh, and it's just it's just a great place to see movies that you always hear about, but get no recognition or no love from the bigger platforms. It's it's off the beaten trail, but if you want to walk down that trail, I think you'd be surprised. And also, its access is unique. Uh, you get a Canopy account through your local library, and not all libraries have the Canopy service. Um, in Utah, there's one through Provo and Orem, so Utah County libraries, but Salt Lake County libraries don't, don't appear to have access to it, but I'd say that's pretty unique. So there's no fee. It's part of your, li your library membership. And it's also meant for college students as well. So if you're going to certain oh, universities, right. you can get the service for free that way as well. But the libraries are your best avenue to to view the service and i'm a big supporter of libraries and physical media and all that so i, mm -hmm. I think canopy is a great it, the canopy and your local library is just like like this it's a great marriage mm -hmm. and they have some new stuff i like i'm really excited they have miss juneteenth which i've heard nothing but good things about i haven't seen it yet but i'm excited to watch it on there that just came out um, they have a movie called Military Wives, which I loved, uh, that I just barely reviewed over on my blog uh, with Kristen Scott Thomas in it. Really cute, based on a true story about this uh, group of military wives in, in Great Britain that start this choir. And uh, it's got some saucy language, but other than that, it's totally something that the Hallmarkies will like and really heartfelt and sweet and and uh and well done uh i really enjoyed it the music is also really good like you said the lighthouse i i've heard bad things but they have capone on here i was just going to say capone is on here now uh prom night starring jamie lee curtis horrible movie is on there uh -oh. as well i don't know why but there it is <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it so there's some stuff just from this year is, is what i'm saying though that they have so it's not all classics if you're thinking oh this is a tcm or that kind of a thing there is some new stuff even just from this year yeah and i and here. when i was looking up like looking up recommendations uh mike flanagan's wonderful horror movie oculus is on there like that's the movie that introduced me to him and it's just it's a very it's a very good movie and it's I kind of tongue-in-cheekily call it Mike Flanagan's audition tape to direct Dr. Sleep because mm -hmm. if you think about it, there are a lot of similar beats between The Shining and Oculus. That's another avenue for another time, but to put the period at the end of the sentence, Canopy is a very underrated service. It's, it offers 
you access to a lot of smaller movies and definitely mm -hmm. it definitely a lot of hidden gems for mm -hmm. lack of a better word and another one that i love uh, that's on here is faces places which is documentary uh made by agnes varda who's a wonderful filmmaker um and it's her and this guy that do these like murals um and uh they're just hopping around france putting up murals and it's it's delightful i highly recommend that one so there's a lot there's really a lot in here and considering it's free is pretty amazing yeah uh there's another there's another very good movie starring Jack Black, Matthew McConaughey, and Shirley MacLaine called Bernie. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one, but- I've heard of it. I heard it's weird, but yeah. It is weird, but it's directed by Richard Linklater. So, mm -hmm. you know, that that's kind of par for I the course. I love him. Yeah, and Life Itself, if you want to watch the documentary about Roger Ebert, that's in here. Uh, I mean, they're really, in Midsommar, I know a lot of people loved that. I haven't seen it. Um, so there's really a lot in here. Uh, a Man Called Ove, I love that movie and that book is so good. I've heard um, nothing but good things about Man, uh, Man Called Ove, so I'll have, to, I'll have to finally sit down and watch it. Uh, the Farewell is on there as well. We've talked oh, about that. Yeah. We've, we've covered that ground a lot on this, uh, on this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, the original Suspiria from Dario Argento is on here. Uh, if you're into that uh let's see they have a whole section on the criterion oh yes they do I, I i was rattling my brain like what else did i forget to mention oh, oh yeah criterion stuff's on there another one i love if you're a fan of taiko Waititi, you should check out a hunt Hunt for the wilder people uh this oh, yes. was his film from uh, 2016 that is so charming Starring Sam Neill and the boy from Deadpool 2. And I can't remember his name at the second. <laughs> He's way better in this than a Deadpool 2. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite movies from 2018, Eighth Grade, is on there as well. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. So, yeah, it's yeah, like... It's we're a just, really good service. We're just barely scratching the surface. Yeah. Uh, so, so and free. It's, it's free. Absolutely. So this gets like this gets our stamp of approval uh, for for that. And I yeah. and I think it's uh, I think we've done enough grandstanding and hot dogging. So let's dive right. into the uh, into the recommendations that I gave you. I gave you five movies to watch, and you were actually uh, you had actually seen two of them. And uh, and I was and just generally without going into too much detail at the second. What did you think of all of them? Like them? Hate yeah. them? So I must admit, I did not rewatch the two that I had seen before because I was pretty sure on my opinions on those. Um, but uh, I, and I just ran out of time this weekend. But I did watch the three. I have seen all five, and I did watch the three new ones uh, over the weekend. Uh, so yeah, I mean, overall, there was only one that I really didn't like. Um, but I can see why it's well made. So I can see why you liked it. Um, and I didn't certainly didn't mind watching any of them. So I appreciate the challenge. It was fun. Uh, so yeah, let's dive in. All right. So the first movie that I gave to you was a movie called Lock. Uh, yes. This was from 2013. Uh, it was written and directed by Stephen Knight, who has worked with Tom Hardy a lot in the past in the past decade. He developed uh, Taboo for Tom Hardy, and also was is the main creative force behind Peaky Blinders 
which is currently on Netflix right now. And he's, he's had a very wide and varied career. Yes. And, uh, Lo and Locke tells the story of a man named Locke, uh, Ivan Locke to be specific. Uh, and this movie all takes place with Ivan Locke just in one car as he is making a very long car trip. And he has a great life, great wife, great kids, great job. But just over the course of the movie, everything kind of starts to fall apart for lack of a better explanation. Uh, the movie does a great job of building tension while you're just stuck in this car with Ivan Locke. Uh, Ivan Locke is played by Tom Hardy. I'm a big Tom Hardy fan. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, he's got to wear stuff on his face all the time. But if you're maybe like not so much a Tom Hardy guy, I recommend you watch this movie. He will change your mind. Uh, other, other people in this include Olivia Coleman. She's been in a lot of movies. I believe, if my memory serves me right, she was in The Favorite. And uh, I still have not seen that, but I've heard good things. Did she mm -hmm. win the Oscar for that? I can't remember off the top of my head. She did, yes. Oh, yes, she did. Thank you. Uh, a very young Tom Holland is in this as Tom Hardy's son. And of mm, course, briefly. Of I course, mean... we all know what he's doing nowadays, being <laughs> Spider-Man in the MCU. But I, I, I love this movie. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it at home and I was just transfixed. For a movie that's an hour and 25 minutes, they get across a lot. Like it's, it's just, it's got a lot of tension. You just get the sense that this is a good guy who has made some very bad decisions and, and those bad decisions are rearing their ugly head. So mm -hmm. Rachel, you, you've seen this. What did you think? Yeah, so this is a, a this is a movie that could easily be a gimmick, uh, mm -hmm. but it's not. I think it's more than that. That uh, you have him in the car the whole movie. You just hear most of their these just these people's voices uh, calling in, and it does such a good job of just ratcheting up tension bit by bit by bit every call and you start to sort of unwind what's happened in this person's life to get them to this point and you you feel like that he's about to have a panic attack and like drive off the road it, it that's how it just builds the tension builds the tension i think that it's uh very well done it was one of my favorites of that year actually yeah and uh it it reminded, and I, I, kind, I kind of feel like I say this a lot just in life, but this movie reminds me a lot of like Alfred Hitchcock's movies where it takes place in maybe like one setting, like something, something like Rear Window, except it's not taking place in a room, it's taking place in a car. And like you said, Rachel, this could have so easily been just, you know, like, like oh, it's a, some guy talking on a phone for 90 minutes. What's so interesting about that? But it's the content of what the phone calls represent mm -hmm. that really drives the movie home, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. With all the stuff that's happening there, they do a really smart job of, of interweaving uh, them talking about soccer uh, to the, and it just makes it seem so ridiculous and that anybody would be, you, know, you think of what people do in the name of soccer fandom or, you know, basketball or football you know sports fandom or whatever and uh and how how upset people get and compared 
to these other things that are happening. And like that does a really good job of sort of putting everything in perspective. I also think the cinematography in this film is really, really great. The way that they use the, uh, the reflections off of the glass uh, to kind of add to the atmosphere, I think really works well. And also the lighting, it's kind of green and pale and it, 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 again, that adds to the sense, sense of tension. Um, so I think for a movie that it was made on a very sh- small budget, it, I think they had $2 million. The, 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 uh, they, they covered the more important stuff they created, they created atmosphere and they, and they have a script that is really, really solid and uh, and everything feels believable that it could happen to this person at this time uh and uh so yeah i think it's a really strong choice yeah one more note before we move on Uh, as someone who has traveled to the united kingdom loving soccer is like an unwritten law somewhere yeah (laughs) but it it just it, it places it in this really interesting perspective when it's mixed in with all of this other stuff agreed you know so Next, the next choice that I gave to you was a movie called Anthropoid. Uh, This was released in 2016 and was written and directed by Sean Ellis, who who really hasn't done much after this. But this movie is all about, it's based on a true story, and it's about the operation to kill Reinhard Heimrich, who, or I'm sorry if I butchered that name, uh, who was the Nazi who was the architect of The Final Solution, which led to the Holocaust, which ended up killing 6 million Jews during World War II. And uh, this movie stars Jamie Dornan, who is, of course, known as being Christian Grey in the Fifty Shades movies. Uh, Killian Murphy is in this. He's good in most of the things that he's involved with. Uh, Toby Jones is in here as well. And uh, what I like about this movie is that I, I like, I tend to like war movies in general, especially like the smaller stuff, like I liked Operation Finale about the operation to get Adolf Eichmann uh, to uh, to bring him back to Israel for trial. Like I like the smaller stuff, and Anthropoid is definitely something up my alley. Um, if you're someone who was maybe turned off by Jamie Dornan because he was in those awful Fifty Shades movies, I implore you to watch Anthropoid because he will change your mind in that he's actually good at what he does. Kind of similar to Robert Pattinson in Twilight. Uh, If I had to knock the movie just a tad is that it can feel a little slow, at least for me, but when the actual operation does happen, it's genuinely great stuff. So, So that's my thoughts on it. Rachel, you saw this before or this was your first time? This is my first time. If you like Operation Finale, you should check out a animated short called The Driver is Red uh, that, that is the same story, but uh, but an animated short. Uh, really interesting. Uh, most of the time, the shorts that they have at Sundance are terrible. <laughs> the animated shorts um, but this is one that i actually liked uh driver is red uh it's quite good it tells the same story uh, the driver but, is red i will definitely mm-hmm. take a look at that yeah uh but anyway uh yeah so i had never seen this movie and i think that it is a good film i i think it's it's a tough watch uh, it's pretty uh uh you know it's 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 pretty sad you know and tough to watch 
but uh, you know, I think a moving story and well done. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Killian Murphy is probably the strongest part about the movie. Um, and I thought it kept at me for, for being two hours. I thought that it was pretty tight as far as the editing. I was not ever bored because you're trying to follow all these different characters uh, as they, uh, as they try to assassinate, do uh, pull off this assassination uh, and it was the only, I think, successful assassination of a Nazi. Um, and, you know, this guy is just so evil. So yeah, evil. Just um, one of the worst of, like, the worst of humanity. He's, mm-hmm. like, top-tier evil. And so, yeah. and so you're automatically on these people's side because you're like, oh, this guy, like, created the thing that killed six million Jews. He needs to go. Yeah. And they let you know right away that there's, they show these, uh, the giving out to all the different agents, uh, the double agents, they, they give them these cyanide capsules and that's to take if they get captured, because it will be better to better way to die than will ever happen with the Nazis. And I think that was a big tell of like, okay, this is what's happening, what's coming. And which I appreciated kind of prepared you for, uh, for what you're going to be getting. Yeah, this was this was definitely a rear guard action. This was a one way trip. They knew these people knew that they were not going to come out of this alive. But yeah. it was for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, as far as the filmmaking, I'd say it was pretty standard. I don't think like the as opposed to like we were talking about with Locke, where the cinematography and the you know, their things really ele- elevated it, made it special. I'd say this was fairly standard as far as that kind of part of it, but um, uh, but certainly good. It does a good job, and I think the acting is all good. I think, like I said, Cillian Mur- Killian Murphy, I think, is the standout. He was really good in it, and it's nice to see him uh, play a good guy. <laughs> I feel like he's been a bad guy in a lot of movies. Or at least middle of the road, you know. He was mm-hmm. he was kind of uh, he was kind of morally ambiguous in something like Dunkirk, but he yeah. is definitely truly a good guy in Anthropoid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What do you like? What do you like about it? About Anthropoid? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's uh, pretty much for the reasons that uh, that you. Um, Pretty much for all the reasons that uh, that you said, I uh, I like like you said, uh, it's it's got like pretty standard filmmaking. But I mean, we can't expect all war movies to be like 1917, where it's right. Made like one That's the easy comparison. But other uh, other than that, though, it's like it it's not meant to be like a revolutionary like filmmaking experiment. It's meant to tell one story, the story of how they killed one of the most evil people in history. And I think they accomplished it in about as good a way as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I like, it was interesting. It was definitely, it was one I had not heard of. So I think it, it's one of those ones that f- flies under the radar, which is what you're saying about Canopy is that it can it can help us to be able to find these movies that are good movies but uh you know we have an embarrassment of riches these days when it comes to films even in a year like 2020 where there's so many delays there's still so many films 
Absolutely. And it's all at like the, the push of a button or it's like it, you don't have to search too far for it. It's like just search it in Google. It's like yeah. anthropoid. Boom. There you go. It's like so, I said, there's no excuse to be bored. I don't allow it. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on to right. my, my next choice given to you. Uh, this was from 2017. Uh, and this movie's called A Ghost Story. Uh, this was directed by David Lowry, who directed the live-action Pete's Dragon, which I think I brought up in like the first or second episode of our of our podcast. It was like it was one or two. I'm struggling to remember, but I yeah. do remember that I recommended it. Uh, man, talk about going from like Pete's Dragon to a movie like this. Yeah. Uh, a Ghost Story is essentially about. Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, they are married, but then Casey Affleck dies in a car accident and for the rest of eternity just stay like just occupies the space in his in his own home looking on his on looking on at his wife as a literal ghost with the sheet and the eyes cut out. He looks like a character from a Charlie uh, from It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. But uh <laughs> But the, but the movie does a great job in showing that, like, he's basically stuck in this house forever. Like, he can't go outside. You know, his spirit will linger in this house for eternity. And he shows that no matter who moves in or if the, or if the house gets torn down, he's always going to be there. And it's, it's, it's very sad. You know, it, it, at least I find it very sad. Um, I should give a bit of a warning in that a ghost story is very abstract. It's not going to be, it's not a horror movie. It's not like he's like, ooh, you know, he's not like trying to spook you. He just kind of sits there and like watches his wife do random stuff. He tries, he tries to make contact with her, but it ultimately fails. That's very frustrating, but, it, but it's like, come on, you gotta, gotta let her know that you're there. But, uh, but, it's 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 also very good. It's got beautiful cinematography. It's got great music. Uh, Casey Affleck does pretty well for himself, even though most of his lines are almost non are almost non-existent. Uh, Rooney Mara's good for her amount of scenes. Uh, this was a movie that I didn't see in theaters. I saw it at an art house theater. One of my five times I've gone to one of those, and I walked up. Wow, that was far better than I anticipated. So, Rachel, you have you seen this one before? I have, yes. And I think that there's a lot of reasons why this movie works. I think the biggest one is that it's only 92 minutes. I think if this thing had been stretched out a hair longer, I think it would have been tough to, to get through, I think. And, and there's part of me that even thinks, oh, maybe they should have made it a short film instead of making it a feature film. The, but I think that uh, that the, they, that David Lowry, he knew kind of what artistic piece he wanted to make. And uh, I, I think this movie has tons of style, uh, tons of heart to it with, uh, with, this sort of theme of grief and loss and how it kind of grief sort of stays with you uh no matter what happens in your life it's always kind of there uh even if you've moved on quote unquote uh that it's always going to be kind of there and a part of you 
Yeah, and uh, and it, it's it, it that metaphor ties in beautifully with Casey Affleck's spirit staying in this house and not being able to go anywhere. As the years drag on, he just he stays in there with various families moving in and other people like moving in and like I said, the built the house being torn down and like a futuristic building being put in its place. Uh, it, like he's just confined to that particular place for all of eternity. It's just, I, I personally think it's very sad. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a whole scene in the movie where uh, a man is at a party is giving a speech about life. And what did you feel like he's David Lowry's like saying in that scene? Is is this the scene where uh, where the guy is there, like the talking about the universe? Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. I that that's that's one of the parts of the movie that has always fascinated me. It's like it. I, I'm like Charlie Day in that one meme where he is like looking at the board of like papers all over and red string going everywhere. Yeah, like me trying to ascertain what this character or David Lowry was trying to say about the universe. I like it. I like that he, like that this filmmaker challenges me to think about this kind of stuff. But to answer your question, I just simply don't know. I think I have to see it again to just try and figure it out for myself. I mean, I think I'll come up with an interpretation one day, but at the same time, it's kind of like, it's kind of like listening to Alan Watts. It's like, you can take a lot from what this man says, but it's profound nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think he's trying to say that, that like, in the grand scheme of things, like our lives, like we think they're, I think it's a, a little bit of a cynical message about that, that each that the the universe goes on with that we think we're so important but the universe keeps going on and we really aren't remembered the way that that like worrying about our legacy is stupid that we should just live because uh you know 100 years 200 years nobody will remember us and so we should just live our best life that we can i think that's what he's trying to say but i don't know I don't know uh, that even like the there's very few people that 200 years from now we remember you know you've got your your Washingtons or somebody like that but other than that uh, there's not a lot of people but that does but so we should just live our full life now um, and not worry about that I think is what he's trying to say but I don't know it's the kind of thing there's there's definitely ambiguity there and I, I kind of like that I mean I feel like that's what you need in this kind of art piece I mean this is a art piece this is not for people that 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 want digestible easy entertainment this is not really entertainment this is art and uh, and so you know it's definitely not going to be for everybody yeah, this is this movie is very much an art house movie. This isn't meant to be something like Jack with Michael Keaton, where he actively meets his son as this snowman and they oh interact with each other. Like, no, this is very much. It's very. It it kind of reminds me of like a much shorter Terrence Malick movie. It's not yeah. meant to be taken like literally. It's meant to be contemplative and meditative. And yeah, that's what going, I. 
Uh, I compared it to in my review, uh, I compared it to Tree of Life. That's a good comparison. That's a yeah. good comparison. And, uh, and one, more, one more point before we move on uh, to back, circling back to what you were saying about, about the guy talking about how we should live our lives now because no one will remember us. Uh, we always hear about how, you know, we're just like, like a tiny grain of sand in the great, like, beach known as the universe. And I think if I had to venture a guess what that's, what that whole speech was about, it would be that. It's like, we're not going to be here forever. We might as well just try and do the best that we can while we can do it because everything gets forgotten and everything will be everything will be forgotten eventually. Mm -hmm. I, if yeah. I had to think about it off the top of my head. But yeah. I do like, I love this movie a lot because it's one of those where you have to like apply some brain power to think about. Yeah. I do think Rooney Mara eating that pie for like eight minutes is pushing it. <laughs> That's a long time seeing that pie. <laughs> hey, it may have been a good pie. We don't know. But anyway, moving on. Uh, the, ne the next uh, challenge that I threw your way was Hard Eight. And yeah. unfortunately, I, I was scrolling through Twitter and I found out that you didn't like this movie. No, I didn't much. like this one. So, I, I, I want to hear from you first. What is it you like about it? Let, let me just let me talk about that. Well, yeah. firstly, this movie was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. We all know who he is. He would go on to direct Magnolia, There Will Be Blood, Punch Drunk Love, uh, Phantom Thread, and just and would give Daniel Day Lewis a much deserved Oscar for There Will Be Blood. He's very good at what he does. Uh, he somehow managed to make a movie about the porn industry in the 1970s, fascinating, in Boogie Nights. Mm -hmm. Like, the dude is very talented. But his first movie was Hard Eight, and it's about a gambler named Sidney who, who lives and works in Reno, and he takes kind of a, I guess you want to say a drifter named, uh, hang on, what's his name? John, played by John C. Riley. How original. And he teaches him the tricks of the trade. And it looks like he's going to work out. But then John meets a cocktail waitress played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And the two go on a pretty destructive relationship. Um, you didn't like this movie, Rachel. Well, let me defend this movie. Yeah, please. Just a little bit. What I like about this movie, firstly, I think it's very well made. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. So, of course, like it's going to look great. It's going to sound right. You know, it's like, it's technically speaking, going to be just something, something else. Like, but I think in terms of the story, I'm in my, in this movie's defense, I think, I think what I like about the movie is that Sidney, the Philip Baker Hall character, tries to help John and tries to give him like a way out of the situation that he finds himself in. Whether it works or not is really up to you. But for me, I, I, I like that he tries to actually help him and give him some skills. I don't think it really works out, but at least he made the effort. And so I, that's my stance on it. Uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, so I can, this is not a movie that I really hated. Like there's, it's not like I'm watching Adam Sandler or some horrible movie that's awful, but I just, I didn't like it. Like there's, it's kind of a different experience if that makes sense. I, I just felt like the whole thing seemed kind of smug to me. 
and very uh and like they there it gets to a point where i felt like it was just going from one scene of a character monologuing to another scene of character monologuing 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 and i i uh, i i got very annoyed by it and um i i liked it better at the beginning when i felt like it was more about the gambling and about uh the i felt like the characters were more interesting but sometimes i feel like people take take sort of tarantino and they they just without having any kind of interesting story or um that, that like that it's just sort of characters sort of monologuing and and that that's all that you need and uh i just really disliked every character and i know that you don't need every you don't necessarily need characters to be likable in a movie but i feel like if they're not going to be likable they should be kind of funny or interesting or something but i was just i was just like i don't want it I, and the whole thing just felt kind of smug to me like very convinced of its own brilliance I can I can definitely understand that it's this this is a movie where I'm like not like a how dare you not like this you know I I, I totally understand that yeah. and Paul Thomas Anderson will go on to direct much better movies so like we all got to start somewhere mm-hmm. uh, I think my least favorite Christopher Nolan movie is his first one following but that's not due to anything that he did nothing really offended me it's just his other movies are so much better that it just, something had to be left in the dust. Yeah. Well, and he, he's an interesting director. I, I think, uh, I mean, I love, uh, I haven't seen all of his movies. I do love uh, There Will Be Blood. I think that is an incredible film. I am not a big fan of Magnolia. I didn't like that at all. I haven't, um, seen it, I haven't seen it in a very long time, but it's it's like it's a movie over three hours long, and it's and it feels it, and <laughs> I didn't care you feel for every it. second of it. Um, Punch Drunk Love is good. Uh, Inherent Vice I did not like, so I guess maybe he's he's hit and miss for me when it comes to his his films. I, I was mixed on Phantom Thread. I thought that it had some really good sequences, but I didn't really. I didn't really like either of the characters and I didn't really like the story. Um, but it was, it had impressive things about it. Um, so I don't know, I guess maybe he's sort of a little more hit and miss for me as far as just my personal taste for the style. But, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see where someone started. Have you seen Boogie Nights? I have not. I've not seen Boogie Nights and I've not seen The Master, which I've heard is good. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen any of his like most recent stuff. Like I haven't seen Inherent Vice or The Master, but like go watch Boogie Nights if you haven't. I think it's I think it's really good. That would be just a super interesting mm-hmm. like Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was I wish it was on a streaming service. That way I could recommend it to you yeah. and when we do another like we react to our oh, recommendations. Like like you could watch it and then hear your thoughts cuz now I'm just I'm so fascinated <laughs> to hear what you have to say. Have you seen um, Phantom Thread? I saw it at home, but I don't remember too much of it. I think it was like one Same of those nights where I was trying to catch up on stuff I missed and I was doing a marathon and that was in there and I just plum forgot about it. But I want to watch it again just to make sure that 
my suspicions were correct because I do remember liking it. I mean, I can't hate any movie with Daniel Day-Lewis in it, but mm -hmm. even still, I, I just got to watch it again just to confirm what I thought. But yeah, anyway. I was mixed on it. I think I did in the end go positive, but it's very repetitive to me as a movie. It kind of, I felt like it had the same scene over and over again, but it looks so good. And uh, it's, uh, it's interesting enough that uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting movie uh, that I can see having lots of different opinions on. So yeah, I appreciate the, the recommendation. And I do think that the first half of Heart Eight is better than the second half when like i said when it's sort of more into the gambling i liked it a lot better than when they're in just like little rooms <laughs> that, interrogating that will, each other <laughs> that i will definitely agree with you on so anyway let's uh well, let's wrap this up by give talking about my final recommendation to you which was from 2015 and it is a movie called trumbo uh this yeah. is directed by jay roach who directed all of the Meet the Fockers movies, uh, all of the Austin Powers movies, and most recently directed Bombshell, which was the movie about the whole Fox News sex scandal mm -hmm. thing. I didn't see it, but I've heard kind of uh, things about it. It's but, okay. Um, I was in the middle on it. But anyway, uh, this movie is a biography on the life of screenwriter Dalton Trumbo. Uh, if that name may sound familiar, he wrote the screenplay for Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus and won an Oscar for writing the screenplay for Roman Holiday. Uh, he had to accept the Oscar, though, under an alias because he was on one of the 10 names on the Hollywood blacklist that existed in the 1950s. Uh, he was brought before the House of Un-American Activities Committee run by Senator Joseph McCarthy and that whole the BS that happened during that whole thing. And he, and he was effectively blacklisted. And the movie, kept, the movie goes into Trumbo's career leading up to the trial and then after the trial. Um, but what I love about the movie the most is the cast. Uh, this movie stars among other people, uh, Brian Cranston, Alan Tudyk, Diane Lane, Elle Fanning, Helen Mirren, uh, John Goodman and Michael Stolberg, and that's literally just naming a few. And I love, uh, I guess, technically speaking, this is a period piece, but I just, I love the atmosphere that this movie lives in because it places you right into late 40s, early 50s Hollywood. Like, you see guys like John Wayne in there, and just, like, you just see Trumbo interacting with just very famous actors to the point where you're like, Oh, and, and you're like, like you're pointing people out. Like that's half the fun of the movie. Um, my one knock against Trumbo is that it does feel a bit long. I don't know how you feel about that, Rachel, but for me, it was a little long. But outside of that, I think this movie is very underrated. This is during a time when Brian Cranston could do no wrong for me as an actor. Just got off of doing Breaking Bad, uh, was in Godzilla, the 2014 version, and was the best part of the movie. And he was just, he was just on fire with his choices. But you, have you seen this movie before or was this your first time? This is my first time watching this movie. And I would say this movie is perfectly serviceable. Like I, I think that it's perfectly entertaining. The cast is great, as you said. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, all the people that you said are really fun. I really liked uh, David James Elliott playing John Wayne. I thought he did a really good job. 
He uh, does a great John Wayne. Yeah, he did a really, really good job. Uh, and it's it's overall it's enjoyable to watch. I I mean there's I mean there's stuff that's hard to watch like when he's sent to prison. That scene is tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, but overall, I I think that uh, it's uh, it, it's like if you want to learn about this period and with some good actors and like I, I there's no there was I guess to me I, it's not like anything was outstanding as far as the script i thought that it was pretty run-of-the-mill but i for this kind of movie um but i enjoyed it i thought that it was good i i liked uh, helen mirren uh playing uh, uh the um she's the gossip columnist uh, had a harp had a hopper and she go. was fun uh kind of devious pretty devious uh in there she's a she's a dirt sheet writer what do you expect (laughs) right (laughs) and uh yeah i mean it's uh the script is probably the weakest part about it i think and it just feels um there's the script i think feels more almost more like a television movie which i love television movies so that's not like an insult but um uh but uh it's felt somewhat kind of going through the motions but I think, like you said, the cast, and there's a, there's a lot of nice atmosphere. The whole thing looks like it's done in sort of sepia tone <laughs> uh, for it. And um, so, yeah, I enjoyed watching it. Well, anyway, that's number five, and that's all my recommendations <laughs> to you. Uh, yeah. Overall, it seems like you really dug most of them, except for Heart 8, but we've already covered that ground. And... Uh, and this, uh, and like we said, uh, like we said, everyone, Canopy is a very underrated service. It's got, it's got a lot of great choices, and I, I think I'd like to do another episode uh, on this one day. I, I think maybe we can do like a regular episode, Rachel, where you pick five and I pick five more, and then we like meet in the middle like we normally do. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be fun. Because uh, I just looking through, I saw a number uh, like we talked about at the beginning that I would recommend. And uh, I think that's fun to kind of uh, see what out of all of these choices, what each other would pick. Uh, but uh, but I enjoyed getting to watch your your favorites. I think that it's fun uh, to, to, you know, get people to push you out of your comfort zone, things that you wouldn't necessarily pick. I, I really enjoy that whole process. I think it makes you a more interesting critic and a more interesting person uh, when you can when you get to do that. So I appreciate uh, all of these picks. And I think that probably uh, my favorite is probably Locke out of the five. I think that's probably the strongest. And then uh, a ghost story uh, and then um, Anthropoid and then Trumbo and then Hardy. That's probably how I'd rank them. I think I would. Uh, I think I personally think Anthropoid and uh, and and a Ghost Story are like even for me. Mm, but uh, mm-hmm. but that ranking is about where I would put them. Yeah, well, they're they're so different. It's hard uh, to like. They're Anthropoid and a Ghost Story are totally different kinds of movies. So it's 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 tough uh, to rank. But I love David Lowry as a director, and I I'm so amazed by what he was able to accomplish with Pete's Dragon that he was able to keep 
his own voice in it so clearly when you look at others that you know something like guy Ritchie for aladdin in he gets kind of lost as far as his personal style and i just think like how did he do it how did he make that movie how it's so yeah, impressive cause, to me because uh, guy Ritchie makes guy Ritchie movies you know like yeah something's familiar like a sherlock holmes those are distinctly Guy Ritchie movies. Like everyone's talking, you know, like they're talking like in the street. Everything looks very dirty and lived in. You know, yeah. everyone wears a lot. You know, it's just, he makes very like his own kind of movies. I think, I think it's no real surprise that after Aladdin, he directed a movie like The Gentleman. It was mm-hmm. like, finally, like I, I've done my King Arthur movie that I, uh, that I personally enjoyed, but nobody else did. And mm-hmm. Aladdin, which was not very good. And it was like, finally, like I can go back to the stuff that I like to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so, imp- that just makes me so impressed with David Lowry. And and it makes me excited for his Peter Pan, which normally I'd be like, another Peter Pan. But just, just because David Lowry is the director, I'm excited and to see what he comes up with. And he's a really interesting director. And uh, so anyway, I, I think uh, it's, it's, it's a, a really interesting choice at Ghost Story. So people should check it out and let us know what you think about it. I'd be curious to know uh, what other people's interpretations are of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and well, that's, uh, that's the end of my first hosting gig on yeah. the podcast. Uh, in the words of Walter Cronkite and that's how it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if any of you have experienced Canopy for yourself, drop down some of your recommendations in the comments below. Yes. Uh, I personally would love to go through them. And I think, Rachel, you would like yes. to do the same as well. Please. Uh, so, so, as far as me goes, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Of course, my channel, RyanCam's Movie Reviews. Uh, today is a Monday when we're recording this, so my episode of the AFI project on the Maltese Falcon just dropped. On Wednesday, I'll be dropping Godfather Part 2, and on Friday, it will be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And then next up, I'll be talking about movies like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Annie Hall, and uh, and just too many other great movies to mention, like, like Best Years of Our Lives and Doctor oh. Strange Love and just... It's a great time to subscribe. And once again, thank you for making me a hundred air, all you Hallmarkies out there. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's some good stuff coming up over there. And uh, so you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Been putting out a lot of reviews lately. So make sure you're up to date on what I've been seeing. And uh, you can also find me at the Hallmarkies podcast. Lots of fun stuff going on over there. Interview this week with Paul Campbell and Kimberly Susted, uh, who are some of our favorite uh, actors over on the Hallmark world. (laughs) And so check that out. That was really fun. And uh, so thanks again. And we will see y'all next week. Let us know if you have any services that you'd like us to cover as well. Uh, we're kind of thinking that some of these it's almost like the service itself is the hidden gem versus the the movies on there Uh, so anyway let us know your thoughts and we'll see y'all next week bye everyone bye